Sound check first. Uh, looks like everything's coming through. Everything coming through, coming through on the come through. Yep. Yes, it is. All right. <laughs> so, uh, first thoughts after watching. We just watched Four Rooms. Happy New Year's, everyone. Happy New Year's. It's almost 2022. That's right. What'd you think? Different style movie. I liked it, though. I liked yeah. it. And, you know, to your uh, preference, it was only 98 minutes. Not a long movie. Yeah, I like it. So I like a movie that's not too long. I like the aspect of it that, I, that you know caught my attention was the fact that you got four different stories in that movie. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, it's, you weren't attached to one set story the whole time. It was kind of like, it's kind of like a four-part series. Four well, rooms. Four rooms. <laughs> so, I mean, that was... That was a nice little change. A little different. Yeah. Well, first, first we, before we go too far into it, how did you come across this movie? Because I, before you even mentioned this, I've never heard of this movie. And, I have not and, either. And obviously, it didn't do that well just because, I mean, it only brought in about $4 million on the box office. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really, really low. Right. If you also look, they didn't... It wasn't... Um, I think that said in only like 109 theaters or something like that. Or 309 or something like that. Um, it's like... I had it so, written down somewhere. In 319 theaters. It's kind of like one of them movies that like gets filmed, but then no one... It never really gets any farther than maybe a couple couple theaters. Right. Kind of like... 319 to be yeah, exact. Kind of <laughs> like the, uh, the movie uh, that was filmed here in Columbus back in like 2016, I Am Wrath. With John Travolta and, uh... John Travolta. Yes. Um, <laughs> Very Nietzsche. <laughs> um, and the, uh, the, the fucking, the dude from Law and Order SVU, the guy who played, uh, Elliot. Okay. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I can't think yeah. of his actual name. Yeah. But yeah, that, like, I remember when they were filming that here, everyone, you know, it was all being hyped up around, like, oh, they're filming on OSU, they're filming it downtown, they're filming on the west side, and then, like, it never fucking hit the theater. It, like, it skipped theater and went straight to, like, fucking streaming. Hmm. Like, several years later. I don't think I ever heard of I Am Rap. So I have to uh, research that. Because I do like local stuff. Wrath 2016 is when it came out. So. I came across it because of the, you know, I was just researching different Tarantino stuff. Because I'm a fan, obviously. Mm -hmm. But. So I said, almost like. Kind of a movie sketch show, right? You got four different things, right? You got four different stories in one. Tim Roth's silhouette unzips himself in that opening little credit song. Because, so that, A Band Apart, is uh, Quentin Tarantino's production company. Uh -huh. A Band Apart. And it's, if you notice, it's four of the dudes from Reservoir Dogs. Tim Roth's silhouette unzips himself and becomes, you know, Tim Roth, the, uh, the bellboy. So there's that. If you look at it, uh, the and that that whole little opening credit scene kind of tells the whole story of the movie. When you think back, I mean, that's I realized that when I watched the second time, you know. But that basically just yeah, takes you through, through a little mini version of the what, what's, minus what's the boat and yeah, a couple other things and shooting himself in the head. I don't know what the boat but was that about. That was kind of being silly. Uh, uh, James Berardelli. Or I have bad handwriting here. It was on Wikipedia. Of Real Views described it as one of 1995's major disappointments. A 13% on Rotten Tomatoes off of 45 reviews. 
critical consensus, consensus reads, Four rooms come stocked with a ton of talent on both sides of the camera, yet only manages to add up to a particularly uneven and dismayingly uninspired anthology effort. Film grossed $4,257,354 in only 319 theaters uh, versus its $4 million budget. Uh, now, this is obviously alleged because it's Wikipedia, but, you know. <laughs> I liked it. started off goofy. Thought it only got better as it went on. Uh, the former bellhop in the opening scene is Mark Lawrence. Uh, now, Quentin Tarantino mentions in his scene uh, Jerry Lewis, the bellhop, which I was going to try to watch, but I couldn't find it for free, and I wasn't going to pay $4 to rent it. I thought about it long and hard, but I didn't. But I was going to watch that, and then I was curious maybe if that was Jerry Lewis. It was not. It was this guy, Mark Lawrence. Uh, so I was kind of wondering... If Jerry Lewis even knew about this project, it's obviously somewhat of a project uh, sort of inspired by that Bell, Bellboy movie. The plot, very simply, of the Bellboy is, in a prologue sequence, fictitious executive producer of Paramount Pictures Jack E. Mulcher introduces the film, explaining that it has no story and no plot. The film simply shows a few weeks in the life of a person Mulcher calls a real nut. Mulcher breaks into hysterical laughter as the story begins. Stanley, the hotel bellhop, finds himself in one ridiculous situation after another by a series of blackout gags while working at the Fontaine Blue Hotel in Miami Beach, Florida. Stanley does not speak into the last scene of the film as he is always interrupted or silenced by another character. That's essentially what the bellboy is. Obviously very similar to what we just watched, Four Rooms. Mm -hmm. So I was curious. Uh, that would have been kind of a cool thing. And obviously Quentin Turner's, you know, at least... Gives the idea that he's that he likes Jerry Lewis very much by his character's little spiel about him in uh, in this movie. Mm -hmm. So I was just wondering if Jerry Lewis maybe like if he tried to get Jerry Lewis to do the little because the retiring guy in the beginning of the movie giving everything over to Tim Ross character, but it was not the deal. So oh, and Madonna won. <laughs> A Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress. I didn't think she did that bad a job. I mean, she wasn't great or anything, but, I, you know, I didn't think she ruined anything or anything like that. But Apparently, enough to win a award to yeah. be the, op the worst. Contrary so. to, uh, yeah, to our beliefs, the Razzies had other things to say. Although, I mean, if Madonna wanted to go topless in that scene, though, I mean, she might have not won that award. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she might have won a different award. She might have won a different award. I mean, you know. Now, you know. Well, back then, Madonna. Not yeah, yeah. I, I don't know like, how she's doing these days, but I, I don't know. I want like Tupac era Madonna. Right. In the first room, uh, written and directed by Allison Anders, which never heard of her uh, before watching this, and I haven't really heard of her outside of this either. Uh, pulled up her Wikipedia says she's an ind American independent film director whose films include Gas Food Lodging. Mi Vida Loca and Grace of My Heart. Anders has collaborated with fellow UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television graduate Kurt Voss and has also worked as a television director. Anders' films have been shown at the Cannes Film International Film Festival and at the Sundance Film Festival. She has been awarded a MacArthur Genius Grant as well as a Peabody Award. Uh, so apparently, fairly established person. Just never heard of her before this. So uh, She wrote an interesting scene. What was your thoughts on the missing ingredient? I'll read the scene first and ask you your thoughts. Ted assists a group of unusual women with their luggage, which he brings to the honeymoon suite. 
he learns they are a coven of witches attempting to reverse a spell cast on their goddess, Diana. Uh, the ritual requires them each to place an ingredient into a large cauldron. However, one, Lone Sky, has still to retrieve her, her ingredient, semen, with one hour left. She seduces Ted and they have sex in the cauldron. He leaves and they complete the ritual and Diana emerges from the cauldron. After Ted's service in the honeymoon suite, a party guest from another room, Lawrence Bender, calls the front desk for some ice. He is unsure which floor he's on, but eventually directs Ted to room 404. So, what'd you think of the missing ingredient? Well, interesting. I mean, I I would have done it. I would have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You gave her the semen. Yeah. I mean, she may not even had to do anything. I would be like, all right. I mean, just aim right in here. All right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, it was different. That's for sure. The fact that only two of them took off their tops, and then the third one that took off their top had coverings over their nipples. It, that's kind of weird. Yeah. You figured, like, if it was a ritual like that, like, all of them would be or none of them would be? I mean... Yeah. Uh, something I didn't research, but was curious about is... So, uh, well, okay, one thing about Madonna, if you listen to our Reservoir Dogs podcast, uh, Madonna had contacted Quentin Tarantino after Reservoir Dogs. He had this whole rant about what, like, a virgin was really about. It was about a whore that had a bunch of sex. And then he finally, she finally fucked some dude that had a great big dick. And uh, that she's feeling pain like a virgin. Uh, and, you know, one of the pop-up notes, because there's that version I had with that movie, uh, said that she sent him a copy of that album. And said, uh, it's, it's about love. Uh, you know, <laughs> wanting to clarify with him, right? <laughs> so apparently they weren't on too bad of terms, because... Mm -hmm. She's in this movie with him involved. Granted, different, not in Quentin Tarantino's scene. scene yeah, different scene. Because every scene was written and directed by different uh, people. Which is interesting because each scene had a different aspect. It had different different like, styles. Yeah, different point of view, different style, absolutely. You can really tell in Tarantino. Now, granted, it's easy to say, you know, knowing which one he did. But it, it, you can very much tell Quentin Tarantino's directing style in that well, first yeah, one. They, and Robert Rodriguez... And his, and... Now, yeah. Grant, I don't know who the other two fucking people are, but Robert Rodriguez and uh, Quentin Tarantino, I know. Instantly, you could tell by the the, uh, the camera angles and Tarantino's parts, or how it immediately, like, the first couple seconds of it, it was, like, a point-of-view style. And then, like, the camera... Like, the, the camera, like, circling the 3D camera around the room, or 360 right. camera. Yeah, he likes to give you everybody... Yeah. Look, look at everybody in the room, look at... Yeah. Uh, if you notice, that one girl... Was walking in and she had she was carrying a broom. I've seen that. But you don't really realize at first, but then you think about it later and you're like, oh, because they're witches. And she's got a broom. She said, I travel light. Yeah. Holds up a broom. So she carried a broom. So that was fun. Um, the one girl brought a jar of thigh sweat. Yeah, that, uh, wonder what that smelled like. wonder what that container smelled like. Like the thigh sweat of a man. And how she collected that, like... And the Year of Tears, that was probably kind of gross, too. Not as gross as the thigh yeah, sweat, I'll, but I'll the I'll Year of Tears over Yeah, over if, thigh I had sweat. To, if I had to drink one, it'd probably be the tears. Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't want my thigh sweat in a container. You know what Lone Sky uh, swallowing the semen and showing up anyway was kind of like? What? 
That one time when you showed up to do a Reservoir Dogs podcast and didn't watch the movie. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Good times. Now there's a gaming podcast to uh, represent that time. Um, there's a foreshadowing of... Uh, of yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, I just got so carried away and I just... <laughs> I was like, I was so hot, so hot, so hot. That's <laughs> why I was like, alrighty then. Yeah, and they all. <laughs> the fact of like when they're mixing the stuff in, I don't know why, but it was so comical to me. Just fucking moaning that they were doing. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck are they moaning about? Right. <laughs> um, they foreshadow the uh, Sky and Ted having sex in the elevator when they're bringing them up. They pan out on a little heart mm-hmm. um she comes back with the fucking the like the bed sheet is the fucking cover yeah <laughs> uh and then yeah the little representation when they're kissing there's just a little fountain with water pouring out all of a sudden like, all right that was a very interesting room like yeah yeah uh, I don't know if I ever. Want I've never been suite. to I've never been to a honeymoon suite but I I don't know I, I think it'd be a little not like that. A little that. different, yeah. Eh, well, you know. Yeah. Where he summons stuff at. Yeah. Um, interesting way to spend New Year's. Uh, just so you know, I don't have anything like that uh, planned for our New you Year's. Sure? Yeah, so you mean positive. to tell me you mean to tell me no one's gonna have sex in the cauldron? I don't have a cauldron. Not if you yet. bring one, you can have sex in it, I promise. I uh, I, won't, I won't stop you. What about a really big pool? I don't have a pool either. Uh, this is a very low budget operation we got going on here. I got I got a three bedroom house. <laughs> There's no pool. We're in the studio. The the my office slash studio. The big studio slash soundproofing. Very tiny bedroom. I need yeah. I need some soundproofing. I gotta get some foam or something on the door, at least you know. But yeah, <laughs> just on the door. <laughs> well, you know that's where a lot of the outside sound comes from. Fair feel like our sound would be crisper if we had more stuff to absorb sound. Yeah, maybe I'll just buy like a bunch of pillows. A bunch of pillows. Yeah. Or no, do a hustle and flow style. Get a old egg, the oh, cartons yeah, yeah, for yeah. the eggs and just staple them on the wall. There you go. There we go. That'll dampen the sound. Exactly. Uh, not every day you come across a coven of witches. Mm. I personally never. Eh, it happens every now and then. I mean... Oh. You know, it's just life. Yeah? You come across a couple covens of witches? Every now and then. Okay. Never right. had to give my sperm, not yet, but you know. I mean, if they cued, I mean, I'm down for that's, whatever. That's not that they didn't ask. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they didn't ask, no. No? Oh, it is. I don't think... They, I don't it think, is it's exactly that they didn't ask. Yeah, they didn't ask. I don't, oh, okay. I don't think they were trying to make a spell at the time. But, I mean, hey. Just your luck. If you're cute, I'm down for whatever. Uh, said, call me. What happened? What happened to Bill? What happened to Bill? Whose semen she swallowed? She told him to call him. She just, she just, just forget Bill. What about Bill? Well, I guess, uh, I guess Ted's more important. That's kind of hilarious, Bill and Ted. And that's how they met. You know, I fucked, I fucked this Lone Sky girl. <laughs> me too. Sixty nine. Anyway. Uh, Lawrence Bender ordered the ice. Uh, he was the producer of Reservoir Dogs, this, Pulp Fiction, Good Will Hunting, Jackie Brown, the Kill Bill movies, An Inconvenient Truth, and the sequel. 
All the Dusk Till Dawns, Hacksaw Ridge. Heard any of those? He's a big deal. And I've heard of most of them. Started haven't, this. Haven't heard of like the last one you just named. Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. That one with Andrew Garfield, where he's the medic that runs out into the war, and he's he doesn't want to shoot anybody. Dude, okay, look, just look up Hacksaw Ridge right now. I'd probably as soon as you see the cover, but ah, I remember that movie being advertised. It's Andrew Garfield, Hacksaw Ridge. He he's like a nonviolent dude. And he goes to the war and he's a medic and all these guys are injured and he's running out on the battlefield and he's carrying them all off and he's like, he's like a hero and he, did, he was just like a non-violent guy and he didn't want to shoot anybody. That was his story. Mm, no, it doesn't look familiar. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I forgot you were an ostrich with your head in the ground. You 20, didn't see anything. Oh, 2016. I, I was drunk most of that fucking year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was fucking drunk most of that year. I remember that shit. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, yeah, he, he's kind of a big deal, Lawrence Bender. And, you know, he was the long-haired dude that asked for ice in this movie. And, coincidentally, threw up on Ted in the next scene. So, that brings us to... The next scene. The next scene. Uh, oops, let me exit out of the bellboy here. The wrong man in room 404. At room 404, Ted finds himself in a fantasy hostage situation. Siegfried, David Proval, which... Uh, he's a very interesting guy himself. I recognized him most from Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a guy that was in quite a few movies, starting back in 1973 and on. Uh, you know, he had a role in some, some big ones. You ever heard of Shawshank Redemption? Absolutely, I have. Uh, Who hasn't? Yes. Right. There is someone out there that has not heard of it. We should do a podcast on it. We should absolutely do Shawshank Redemption eventually. Uh, the plot of this one, written written and directed by Alexander Rockwell, his uh, name is spelled a little goofy, so I'm not sure if it's supposed to be Alexandre Rockwell or Alexander Rockwell. Alexandre. Yeah, basically spelled Alex Andre Rockwell. So, you know, however that's spelled. Uh, sorry, uh, Alexander, if you're listening, but I am uh, almost positive you're not. And unfortunately, the Wikipedia page does not give a pronunciation of his name. Fucking Wikipedia. That's why we don't donate. Exactly. Uh, at room one at room four hundred four, Ted finds himself in a fantasy hostage situation. Siegfried, David Proval, maniacally accuses Ted, whom he calls Theodore, of having slept with his wife Angela, Jennifer Beals. Ted is forced at gunpoint to participate in the scenario, uncertain what is real. He becomes stuck in the bathroom window as the party guest appears in the window above, uttering the word "ice" and vomiting. Ted escapes just as another guest, Paul Skemp, arrives looking for room 404, and is greeted by Siegfried in the same manner. Now, just one thing about the room thing. I'm confused of what room they're actually in, because I guess they're, you know, the party guys were one room up. And then they say 404, and they say 409, and then they're in 404, and then when the kids call this room in the next scene, so they call 409. And then, the, and and then the, the, the door said 40, and you can see the outline of the 9 because the last number fell off. Right. So... So what room is it really? I don't know that anyone knows. This is why it has a low score on Rotten Tomatoes. Apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> the This is probably the shortest of the scenes. Um, Interesting. Very uh, quick pace. Yes. I don't and know. one thing I noticed about this scene is it's almost kind of uh, karma for our boy Ted. If you noticed... He's about to walk in the room, and he's got the bucket of ice, and he puts his cigarette out in the ice, and just shakes the ice up a little bit, hiding his cigarette down in there, and then he knocks on the door. And then, he's in this sticky situation, 
with our boy Siegfried. You know how pissed I'd be if I got some fucking ice and there was a cigarette shoved in it? Well, one. this wise scene is karma. Right? Number two, what are the fucking odds that they, they know his name's Theodore, the guy they're expecting to come in is named Theodore? Right. What are the fucking odds? What are the odds? Yeah, like I said, Siegfried's Richie Supreme on Sopranos. That was the note I already had. Oh, uh, one other notable thing. Alexander Rockwell, uh, the guy who wrote and directed this scene, is was married to Jennifer Beals at the time. Uh, I meant to read our little intro on Alexander Rockwell here. Uh, there's like a ton of paragraphs on him, but I'm just going to read like this first one. Alexander Rockwell is best known for his independent films made in NYC with a small group of actors he met on the Lower East Side in the late 80s. His first film helped launch the careers of well-known actors like, heard of him, Steve Buscemi, Ooh. Sam Rockwell, Peter Dinklage, Stanley Tucci, as well as many other notable indie stars of the time. His filming style is best described as purely independent in spirit and poetic in style. He mixes a seemingly effortless blend of comedy and drama to create an eclectic and human portrait of outsiders. His influences are wide-ranging. He's been quoted as saying his style is as much the Three Stooges as it is Tarkovsky. And obviously he works with Quentin Tarantino a little bit. And, and you know, Steve Buscemi, Mr. Pink, and uh, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, so like I said, Karma. Uh, what's all the blood in the bathroom about? Bloody rags. The, uh, blood on the back of the toilet. Yeah. Blood the, underneath the sink. The bathtub's a little gross when you first walk in. It's real quick, but, you know... Yeah, it's everything a little rough about, in there. Everything about that bathroom just looked Everything awful. about Siegfried was yeah. a little shady. It's a little bit. I mean, I'd trust him. I might go out with him for a drink. Maybe. I don't think so. Nah, I wouldn't. Probably not. Um, His wife, maybe. I like the multicolored condoms. Uh, you know. Red dick. Just Red match, dick, yellow match, dick. Match the, uh, the blood in the bathroom. Red dick, yellow dick, blue dick, orange dick. <laughs> Just uh, hanging from the from the. Just hanging there. Yeah, just hanging there. Just a whole just sleeve of them. I don't even know if that's the right term for them. Sleeve. Well, I, I mean, I can't think of anything better. Yeah, fits. Fits tight like a condom. Hopefully. <laughs> Lawrence Bender pukes on him. He found his way back out, back into the window, real quick when that puke came down. Right. So. I think sometimes you just need the right motivation. You know. I think my next step after leaving that room is I'm going upstairs and swinging on that dude. Fucking puke. <laughs> like, you see, you see the motherfucker down here. Like, you really going to fucking puke? I mean, that, what I'm thinking is the bathroom is probably full in that one. I mean, there's probably a bathroom right above, so it might not make any sense. But it might be a bridesmaid situation where, you know, someone's shitting in the toilet and you're hanging out the window, you got to puke. You know, so he's like, why are you there? And he knows he's the bellhop, and so he's like, ice! And he realizes he hasn't got his ice and it's been a while. And, I, you know, he's probably like, fuck off, ice, uh, it throws up on him. Lack of ice will make you puke from drinking. I guess. I, my only other note on this scene, you, you can tell me if you have any other thoughts, but this lady was fantastic at coming up with penis names. Oh, God, just like... I think my favorite was uh, Rumple Foreskin. <laughs> Rumple Foreskin. <laughs> she said, pee-pee, wee-wee, yin-yang, yo-yo. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Skin flute was pretty good. Middle leg, third leg. Yeah. I was like, how do you have all these fucking names for a dick? Yeah. A little, yeah, a little much. What a talent for it, really. I mean, just to, to have all those in your brain, I mean, like, I could, 
I maybe knew about ten of those. And then the rest <laughs> of them, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know... He's walking out. This other dude's like, where's the... He's like, I don't know. And then, you know, you hear the door open, and she's still rolling out the names. Very good. Imagine her going over her lines for that. Right? She's sitting there, and she's just, like, in her room alone, like, my rubble foreskin, you know, cucumber, pickle, salami. Like, what are you doing in there? I'm going over my lines. For what? <laughs> then when he walks into the room, the fucking whole scene just starts right back over again. Yeah. I was like, What? <laughs> Just a weekly thing for him. Exactly. So in the beginning of the next scene, I, I won't read the intro just yet because there's a little little Tarantino drop in there where, if you remember from a couple of our, uh, from the Pulp Fiction podcast specifically, I was talking about this, mm-hmm. his go-to fake cigarettes right. are, do you remember what brand? No. Did you see them sitting by the phone? I did not see them. The Red Apple Cigarettes. Mm. This is his go-to fake cigarettes. And they're sitting by the phone when he answers right before the misbehavior scene. Oh, I did not catch that. And I, uh, you know, if you're interested, anyone, uh, I posted a Leonardo DiCaprio video of him being Rick Dalton doing a fake uh, Red Apple cigarettes ad. It's very entertaining to me. Uh, you know, get on our Twitter, guys, at Content Crisis 1. But nonetheless, we'll uh, go right into our next scene here. Uh, written and directed by Robert Rodriguez, who uh, quite f- frequently, it seems, does work with uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, the plot of this one is that a husband, Antonio Banderas, and wife, Tamlin Tomita, uh, leave for a New Year's Eve party, tipping Ted $500 to keep an eye on their children. Not without a fight, might I add. Uh, Sarah and Wancho, Lana McKissack, and Danny Verduccio... Ted instructs the children to stay in the room. When he leaves, they vandalize the room, exploding a bottle of champagne. They call Ted for toothbrushes, and he tries unsuccessfully to put them to bed. He leaves, but is summoned back to the room in further chaos. Find the room in further chaos. A painting has been turned into a dartboard, a lipstick, and a syringe. Wancho has a cigarette. Sarah has a bottle of liquor. The television is set to an adult channel. And the children have found a dead prostitute, Patricia Vaughn, in the box spring. Sarah stabs Ted in the leg with a syringe when he repeatedly uses the word whore, and Wancho accidentally sets the room on fire. The father returns, carrying his passed out wife, and asks, did they misbehave? The sprinkler system activates while everyone stands still. First couple of notes to start the scene. The little boy loves cigarettes. They are irresponsible parents. And then there's a little argument they have about the, uh, the rate of... $500. You want 500 bucks? How about three? Yeah, how about three? Immediately <laughs> negotiates down. Okay. Here's a little thing. I don't know if they're just kind of doing it for fun or if whoever's doing it didn't really pay attention. Or I don't know. It, it's still a funny little tie-in. This is supposed to tie into the previous scene just a little bit. The misbehaviors in the wrong man. Uh, at one point in the wrong man skit or scene, he picks up the phone says, no, no needles here. Just a big fucking gun but it doesn't line up at all because in theory ted just left the room when they call or ted was just on the phone when she she calls about the needle he's on the phone hangs up and immediately after she calls the room now that would mean that ted would have to hang up that phone get that call about the ice sprint upstairs like faster than all hell for that scene to then like have started the wrong man scene to have started 
and take place and then for them to stop and get that phone, there's, it doesn't line up. Unless, of course, the next person that's in the room, apparently someone called earlier and asked about a needle. And now later, someone's calling and asking about a needle. Uh, I mean, this guy gets so many calls about needles, and he tells all of them that he's just got a big fucking gun. I mean, maybe he's just replaying the scene again. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just how it... <laughs> he paid someone to call about a needle, and then he got lucky this time. <laughs> he got lucky the kid know. called about a needle. I don't know. You know, so, they took that needle, and then they took, what was it, lipstick? Yeah. And the, what was her name, uh, Sarah? I think, yeah. According yeah. to the Sarah. Sarah and Wancho, yep. Um... Drew basically uh, like a dartboard on a painting. Yeah. And then the fucking, uh, the, the boy, he fucking just threw him went right bullseye. Yeah. And then the she gonna fucking walk over and say, let me show you how a professional throws it or whatever she said. I'm like, I, I mean, he got a bullseye. I mean, I don't know that you get much better than that. Yeah. <laughs> get, like dead in the middle bullseye. Like, yeah, you, you can't get much better than it's that. It's kind of the professionals. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he knows how to throw it. He knows, he knows what he's doing just a hair. Um... Kept on fucking smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, he keeps smoking the cigarette. He's sucking his toe at one point. This little boy is very funny. I know you you hate kid actors, but here's here's the other thing that I was thinking about with your theory of the kid actors all suck. I think sometimes they're put into positions where they can't succeed. Sure, but also, like in this case, right? These kids are just being kids. Hmm. Like I don't know how. how I mean, that's kind of how real. If if you had a bunch of two shitty kids. In a hotel room that were you know, probably misbehaving kids, right? With strict parents. So when the parents are away, they're going to misbehave. I mean, kids kids are literally just acting like kids. And these kids are just being kids. I think they're doing a good job there. You know what I mean? Like Kids are playing kids. I mean, that's fair. That's I think a, that's what it is in a lot of that's a fair scenarios. And I think what, what, what a lot of it is, is I think you just... Well, I don't think this. I know this. I know you just don't like kids. So, you know, that's no, all. I, I no. think, you know, I think you're a little biased when you go, oh, no kids can act. I don't, I don't dislike kids. I just don't <clears throat> want any kids. Don't lie to the good people. I'm not lying to the good people. You're lying to I'm the gonna good people. I'm going to be nice to your kid if they're around. I'm going to play with them if they want to play. I've got no problem with kids. I just don't want any of my own. Yeah. You don't like kids. I don't like the financial burden of kids. I like money. Yeah. That I don't have anyway. But I have a dog, so that kind of offsets it. Alright, so anyway, I'll say these guys, these, 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 uh, these, these ninos, they do a good job. At playing kids. At playing kids. That's all a kid's supposed to do is play kid, you know? Until they're actually put in a role, they're like, they're supposed to act and cry, like, on command, I'm like... Well, you ever seen a kid cry, though? Like, it kind of looks fake 9 out of 10 times <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean? You're like, okay, what are you doing right now? But, anyway. So, the little boy's very funny, he's sucking on his toe at one point. The whole scene, they set it up, you know, from the very beginning when the parents leave. You know, the little boy's like, I'm escaping. It smells in here. Which is kind of hilarious. They're on the third floor. This boy's going to just jump out the window. Like, I don't know what his plan was, little idiot. Mm-hmm. But, then, you know, the dad walks back in. He says it smells in the room. Then, you know, he takes off his shoes. And Sarah says it smells in the room. And then Sarah takes off her shoes. And then Wancho says it smells in the room. And then she kicks him in the face and turns the porn off the TV. Which, Charles isn't here to appreciate. His girl, Salma Hayek, is on the TV dancing. So he's not here to appreciate that fact. So sad. Charles, Salma's on screen in four rooms. If you're listening right now, watch it. That's right. Probably not, but... Probably not. But, uh, Ted comes up to the room. 
First of all, what is up with Ted's childhood? This is not the first time in this movie, and this is the last, but it's not the first time in this movie where he references the fact that his childhood was a little fucked up. Basically, the Vicks vapor rub that he put on the on the kid's eyelids just to make sure you don't get up because if you open your eyes, it's going to burn like hell. Right. And I, Wow. That's pretty, I mean, that's up there. That's up there. And he I mean, says this happened to him on a regular basis as a child. Uh, he said he was called, like, Theo the Thumper or some shit like that as a child in the previous scene. Theo the Thumper. This guy, you know, this guy, this guy's childhood is a little messed up. And maybe that's apparently. how he ended up where and he's that's, at. And that's why he's such a fucking goofball. That's how he ended up where he's at. So, you know, little girl gets up, she washes it off, she starts watching TV. Little boy goes, what do you do? You watching TV? She says, yep, go wash it off. He runs into the wall. Again, this little boy, very funny. He washes it off. They're watching TV. They move the mattress. And they find, of course, the dead prostitute. And they call Ted. <laughs> so, who died? And he's like, I don't know. But she's in my bed. She smells. <laughs> Apparently, Ted never thought to wash the vapor rub off. Which is good. Can we, I mean, can we say that, that Ted doesn't seem to be the brightest not the brightest bulb in the bunch. Yeah, it's a little how he did sorry it, for our buddy Ted. How he didn't just walk out after the second scene and just say, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. I just got kissed by a dude. I'm out. Oh, yeah. It's one thing we forgot to bring up in the wrong man. Yeah. After, uh, after Ted tells him, you call me Ted. You won't call me Theodore the Thumper. Uh, Siegfried just Grabs him, kisses him on the mouth. Like, what? <laughs> right, which is another thing. The fireworks go off when he kisses him on the mouth. Now that might have just been sound effect, but another reason why the, the scenes the t- just don't the timeline doesn't add up for the two scenes connecting. But uh, you know, firework gate upward and onward, or whatever that saying is. Uh, <laughs> I like when Tim Roth is angry because he's yelling, but it's all it's kind of like a muted. Because he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a funny time. It's a good time. So he, he walks in and, you know, she's drinking and he, you know, he throws the bottle and little boy's smoking. Uh, <laughs> so she moves the mattress to show him the dead hooker and he does a simultaneous yelling puke. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Just coming out of him. It's really good. I like uh, the days when you could smack a kid. Just smacks the cigarette right out of his hand. Now, either he was only smacking the cigarette and not the kid, and they're doing the sound effect, or he was smacking the kid so hard the cigarette comes out of his mouth. I'm not real sure. Kind of hope the second one. Yeah? You like some that? some badass one? kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, the scene concludes by, you know, the, so the room is, is ablaze, you know. Uh, little girl is about to hit Ted with the bottle. Ted's got a hold of the dead hooker's leg. And he's got the syringe in his leg. And, uh, you know, of course, our boy Wancho is sitting there smoking a cigarette. And he throws the cigarette when he sees his dad. And it starts a bigger blaze behind him. How quickly everything went up in that room, too. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> everything went up like that. And uh, all Antonio Banderas' character has to say is, uh, did they misbehave? That was it. That's the scene. Directed by our boy, Robert Rodriguez. So, yeah. Anything else to say about that scene? Cool. Nope. 
So, if we move on to our next scene, of course, uh, you know, this scene concludes with, you know, Ted calls his boss, Betty, played by Kathy Griffin, uh, to quit, but he has to go through Marissa Tomei, who's Margaret, uh, before, you know, talking to Betty. And, uh, Margaret is a bit of a stoner. Uh, I like the way they kind of go through the events of what happens. You know, she kind of, you know, she's like, I got fucked! By a coven of witches. You got fucked by an oven full of witches? <laughs> a coven! Not an oven! She goes, sounds like a pretty good way to start off the night to me, Ted. Let's skip the witches. Skipping the witches. Very goodness. I like it. Um, so Margaret has to then give the phone to Betty. Uh, apparently Betty parties. She's just passed out on the floor of her own house. There's other people. She has no clue who any of them are. Strewn about, yeah, her house. Uh, didn't know who Margaret was. Margaret had to introduce herself to her. So that was, uh, yeah. Betty parties is what we're getting from this. Alright, so then we enter. He's he's catering to the uh, penthouse suite. Right? With our man from Hollywood. Chester Rush. Now, man from the south is what this, uh, the man from Hollywood story is kind of based on. Now... I don't know if in the story there, I don't know if my internet information is mis is uh is, is misinformation. But I did the only version of this that I was able to find is this Alfred Hitchcock presents the Man from the South, where uh, basically the story is while vacation vacationing at a resort in Jamaica, the narrator encounters encounters an elderly South South American man named Carlos. They're soon joined by a young American naval cadet who boasts about the reliability of a cigarette lighter, played by Stephen Queen. Uh, Carlos offers to bet his Cadillac against the American's left little finger that the American cannot ignite the lighter ten times in a row. The American accepts, with the narrator agreeing to act as referee and hold the car key, and they adjourn to Carlos's room. After Carlos has a maid bringing the necessary supplies, he ties the American's left wrist to the table, and the challenge begins. After the eighth successful strike... Excuse me. A woman bursts into the room and forces Carlos to drop the knife he has held, ready to sever the American's finger. She explains that Carlos is mentally disturbed. Having played this game so often in their home country, they had to flee in order to keep the authorities from committing him to a psychiatric hospital. He's taken 47 fingers and lost 11 cars, but no longer has anything of his own to bet with. She won it all from him long ago, including the car he claimed to own. As the narrator offers the key to her, she reaches out to take it, with a hand that has only its thumb and one finger still attached. Uh, you know, Alfred Hitchcock is actually that story was actually written by Roald Dahl. That is what this scene in Four Rooms is based on. Now they get it kind of wrong in the movie because they say the man from Rio. Now I don't know if they intentionally got it wrong, uh, unless this internet information is all wrong. But that was the only way I could find it. Man from the South on YouTube. So, that was the whole thing. So, they called it a man from Rio. I'm not sure if that was the intention because they were drunk or whatever, right? Maybe they're just misquoting shit. But it is Peter Lorre. Uh, do you recognize Norman? Actor uh, Paul Calderon. He looked familiar, but I couldn't. Bartender in Pulp Fiction. Huh. Uh, ironic that his real name is Paul. He says, you know, at one point, if you remember, when he's questioning John Travolta. And John Travolta gets all pissy with him. He goes, hey, I'm just Paul and this is between y'all. So, anyway. And his name is Paul Connor in real life. So anyway, uh, Leo Bruce Willis, who is not credited for some reason. Oh in this yeah, movie. I thought I um, thought that was weird because like 
I was looking and I'm looking. I'm like, I'm like, man, he, I'm like, fucking looks familiar. But I'm like, ah, I'm like, let me, let me look. And then he's not fucking. I like, I looked on uh, IMDb at first and like nothing. And then like Wikipedia, as I scroll down here all the way to the bottom, it says, oh, that is fucking Bruce Willis. Just not credited for some reason. Maybe he didn't want the. Maybe he didn't want the credit. I don't know. But even yeah, though they maybe know, it's because they made him say that line. Ah, oh, my dick's hard already. When talking about severing a man's finger. Um, <laughs> there was, in fact, one N-word in that Quentin Tarantino scene. Where? Uh, what's his name? Norman said it. Oh, well, yeah, but there wasn't a white dude saying it. Wait, yeah, when did Norman say it? Uh, when he was talking about the, uh, the Chevelle. He said it was uh, N with a hard oh, E-R-R-E-D. okay. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, but Paul said it. Yeah, but it's still a Tarantino. Yeah, but a white guy didn't say it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know, uh, uh, well, I don't know. He yeah, might but... he might not be black, but he is at least of some kind of color. But Tarantino typed it out. <laughs> well, I guess. But it could have been improvisation on Paul's part. You know, you never know. You never know. You never know. You never I need know. to read the script. Contact Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you got connects, right? Chester contradicts himself, uh, saying, if you're drinking Cristal, you say you're drinking Cristal. You don't say you're, bringing sh- you're drinking champagne. But if you remember earlier when he's talking to Ted when he walks in, he just offers him champagne. He does later specify that it's Cristal. Just a thing I picked up on. Nobody probably gives a shit at all, but, you know, I thought it. I said Hypocrite it. Time. I wrote it down. Anyway. And he says, you know, they're going through all the supplies. He said. He says Peter Laurie asked for three nails. Peter Laurie didn't ask for three nails. He asked for some nails. Technically, in that scene, I did find it on YouTube and watch it. You can watch it in two parts. I did post the links on at Content Crisis One Twitter page. So if you want to uh, check that out. But yeah, technically Peter Laurie only asked for nails, not three nails. But he did end up with three nails. That's all he used. So of course, technically he only used two. I don't know. I don't know if he put the other nail under the table. I didn't see that part. Anyway. I'm not sure. I'm confused. He could have put one a nail on the underside of the table and tied it there, but I did not see him hammer the other nail in. All I saw him was nailed two hands in. It's outlined dude's hand in the scene. Tied to the string, tied fingers to the string and the nails. Had the pinky off on this side and he was ready to if the lighter didn't light. I know that this scene is already long and full of dialogue, but if you notice when... Um, when Chester says to Leo, Leo, time me. Because basically, they're telling Ted that they want him to cut off uh, Norman's finger if he loses the bet. Because he's saying, essentially, that uh, here's the thing. Norman's going to take my keys no matter what if I lose. And that's fine. I know what I'm doing. I'm a big boy. But if he loses... You know, if it's Leo or me here in this room, his friend, you know, we don't actually want him to lose his finger, but we do want to see him get chopped off, and then we're going to take him to the hospital real quick and have him sew it back on. No big deal. But I do want to win if I win, is what he's saying, and he does. He thinks he doesn't trust himself or Leo to not chicken out of executing the bet, or executing the finger, if you will. So, I like the way he explains it to Ted. And then, you know, Ted's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Right. And so he says, you stay here. Just give me 60 seconds. $100 a year is you can tell us, to, you can walk out and tell us to go fuck yourself. Fuck ourselves. Ted comes back. And then Ted has, 
or Chester says, give me 60 seconds. So he tells Leo, time me, right? And then the whole goes, like scene leading up before he fucking splashes the ice water. Yeah, he's getting, he's getting ready. He's got 60 <laughs> seconds, right? Always be closing, right? Which that's from something and I should probably know and I probably should have done research on that. I didn't think about that before this podcast. I'm sorry. Basically, he says to Leo, time me. Give him 60 seconds to do his whole spiel. And what Leo says to Norman is, hey, Norman, give me your watch. He's like, well, why don't you just have Norman time him? I know it seems like a stupid thing to get hung up on. But I thought it'd be really funny. If, you know, I know, again, I know the scene was long. But I thought it'd be funny if, like, Norman was like, well, why don't I just time it? He's like, because he fucking asked me to time it. No, just give me the fucking watch. Well, I got the watch. I'll... I just thought it'd be funny if there was, like, a whole argument between the two of them before the timing started. But you have, you have our results, yes? Always be closing. Uh, apparently, the phrase origins are from the 1992 David Momet scripted film, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Okay. See, yeah, I knew it was from something. I probably should have done that before, but that's fine. Yeah, I thought it would have been funny if they would argue about it, the whole thing. I like the way he explains the getting the money for the one moment of your life that you're going to remember forever. It's something they don't exactly dialogue in the Man from the South short film, but it is kind of mentioned in passing, so that's fun. Any other? Th- I mean, my final thing on this one was just, I like how he fails immediately and just <laughs> chops his finger off and he grabs the money and walks out. And then as the credits start to roll, you just see them all kind of fumbling around, panicking. They got to get the finger to the hospital, the whole thing. Um, do you have any other thoughts on the scene? For $1,000, would you have done it? Nope. Would have done it? Oh, wait, chop the finger off? Yeah. As long as, like, I'd have, I'd want them to sign some shit. Be like, I'm not <laughs> You're not going to sue me. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I would have chopped for $1,000. I wouldn't have, uh, you know... Done the uh, bet? Yeah, I wouldn't have done the bet. You don't trust your lighter that much? No, no. <laughs> Obviously, he said, <laughs> boom. Especially after watching that, no, I'm, I'm out, man. What are, what are the odds that the first one doesn't even light? Like, at least let you get like two or three in and then, right. <laughs> then don't work. First one doesn't light. Like, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Let me try this again. He's <laughs> like, yeah, okay, I get one do over. Come on, I get one. I get one. But Ted didn't, Ted didn't even give the chance for that. He's like, he nope. He was out. Um, this wiki, this uh, wiki, I can't talk. This Wikipedia page was last edited two weeks ago. Who the fuck is still adding information to this page on a uh, you know on a twenty year old movie? Uh you know, newfound Tarantino fan. <laughs> or, you know, was it you <laughs> or any? No, not me. I only got this movie for uh, Christmas, so I, I watched just, it for the first time uh, Monday. Or Sunday, so. I just see now, I'm like, who is still editing a movie from 95? Like, what new information could be put out there now? Well, that's kind of funny because, like, there's not, like, a shit ton of information on this Wikipedia page either. I mean, the the plot summarizations are very short. Leave out, not that, you know, a, a summarization you're looking for a lot of detail, but there are some things you'd think were, like, kind of bigger in the story and you might, you know, include like, and, you know, like, detail out, like, just a little. These, these are... None of these synopses or synopses are more than a paragraph. Uh, the only ones more than a paragraph. Well, the only two, whereas the honey, the missing ingredient scene, and they just have what happens right after the scene in the next line in the separate thing. And same thing with the misbehaviors; they just have what happened right after, you know, the two phone calls at the desk, and that's you know. But the, these summaries aren't more than a paragraph. So. 
That's why we don't donate. That's <laughs> why we don't donate. That's why we don't donate. Is there... Okay, if anybody knows anything. Not, not you know, I don't know why I think anybody's going to email or tweet us now. But if anybody knows anything, you know, more maybe more details about, you know, the Wikipedia operation. You know, give us an email at contentcrisishotline at yahoo.com or, you know, feel free to tweet us at at Content Crisis 1. And Dakota said, fuck this podcast. And he's not reactivating his Twitter to support us. So, uh... It'd be like that sometimes. Apparently. Follow me on OnlyFans, though. You'll catch behind the scenes of this, of recording of this. Listen, I need you to do this OnlyFans if you're going to do it. You got to stop talking about it. If you're going to do it, fucking do it. How do you know I'm not doing it right now? Uh, because... You're not. Your phone is face down on the thing. The screen's black. So, you give a rating for uh, four rooms? Two eggplants. Two eggplants. Two eggplants. Reasoning? It was different. Yeah. But it just... It was kind of like... There were some scenes that were like good or whatever. It just kind of caught my attention. But it was still, it felt very lackluster to me. Okay. Like, it felt like it was like lacking something. Sure. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes does not disagree with you. Or whatever that dude's name that wrote the uh, Real Views review. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, here's the thing. I, I would watch it again. Well, I mean, because... You've okay. watched it three times now. Well, okay, I watched it the first time because I wanted to know what the hell it was. So, that's why I watched it the first time, obviously. Watched it the second time because I knew we were going to do a New Year's podcast. And I wanted to, you know, really have my mind wrapped around it. Then obviously I watched it the third time because, you know, you were here and, you know, we needed to watch it. You needed to watch it because I own it on DVD and you can't find it for free anywhere. Anywho, I got like 2.6, which is just above the 2.5 where I wouldn't watch something again. Because I obviously did watch it again because I like the last scene of the movie. That's really all I'd want to watch to watch it again is just I want to watch Fast the last scene. the last scene. Because... Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. To me, that's very entertaining. Just It's this very high-stakes bet of, like, losing your finger and, you know, this philosophy on something you're going to remember forever, right? So you want to remember it forever and go, I could have won a thousand bucks, you remember it forever, and I won a thousand bucks. Basically telling you to, the philosophy of it, you know, telling you to, you know, live life to the fullest, make the most of it, yada yada. Cut someone's finger off. Make a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Live life to the fullest. Cut fingers. Get a thousand dollars. That, you know. So, just above not watch it again, which is two and a half. Liked it enough. Not watch it again. 2.6. I want to watch the last scene again. That's it. Two, 2.6. Tips missing. No tip. <laughs> no tip. No tip. And probably a little below the tip, too. A little bit near the circumcision scar. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Or for the foreigners, the foreskin. <laughs> Rumple foreskin. <laughs> Rumple foreskin. <laughs> so, that, that should be like a name for someone that has herpes. Rumple foreskin? Rumple foreskin. I mean, that's probably the best way to sure. describe it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, I've never had herpes, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> thanks please like and subscribe us uh, you know rate us all that happy horse shit um con at content crisis one uh content crisis highline at yahoo.com 
Uh, thanks for listening, guys, and happy new year. Goodbye.